Hello everyone and welcome to a special video version of the podcast because as you can see I've got my guests in person. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Certainly. I'm Stuart Ashen, also known as Ashens, a YouTube man. I'm a fellow YouTube man. My name is Oliver Harper. And we have all come here together today to talk about a very specific topic that's very near and dear to our hearts. Mm. Namely, the worst films that we have ever gone to see in the cinema. Now, just to clear things up, this isn't the worst experiences we've ever had in a cinema. I mean, mine personally would be Bewitched for various different reasons besides (laughs) the fact that that film's shit. I mean, literally, (laughs) the worst movies we have ever gone to see. So, I think we have all picked about five or so yes. of our very yeah. worst experiences and uh, showing the true professionals that we are I'm not sure who's going first so who <laughs> wants to dive in Let's with their number with five Oliver and go well, across well okay well, I, uh, yeah as I say we've got uh, about five titles uh, I think the earliest one I had was probably the 1990s where it was Spawn Ooh. now because c- as we all know superhero movies were kind of quite sporadic in that time mm, they yes. always got like you know you had Batman every couple of years but in between that we had a few stinkers that was so, 97, 98 when 97 I... um, so Spawn had you know the comics already just kicked off weren't very popular at the time and everyone ran in to see Spawn based on the trailers at the time CGI was becoming really popular yes, it, was, very, it, was it was very early it was CGI now this age. kind of tool that was affordable mm. and Spawn had it all over the place yes. you know, the CGI was just Absolutely appalling. And then, because you just, well, 97, you also had like Starship Troopers out, which mm, had yeah. this amazing, incredible CGI. Yeah. And Spawn had like, you know, Poundland sort of version of it. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it um, was done on the Amiga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was like, it was, Spawn had this kind of really surge in popularity really quickly. Mm. Then it sort of, sort of dropped heavily yeah. like, a couple of years later. But the experience itself, we went in with like a friend of mine and he brought along these two girls who we didn't really know. And they were just sat there, just, you know, very, very annoyed about the entire thing. <laughs> and <laughs> and but my friend was all into sort of action and violence and stuff. So he, he, he was dead set on enjoying it. But he came out, he was just so gutted. Because it's a 90-minute movie. It whips yeah. along quite quickly. And the only highlight for me was, obviously, you know, Michael J. White is a great, great actor yeah. in anything, really. But Nicole Williamson, who yeah. I, I just reviewed Excalibur, and he's amazing that was his in last Excalibur film, and, and he's great in Spawn he steals the film really mm. by playing this kind of mentor to Spawn but yeah it was Martin Sheen's in it as well yeah I don't even remember Martin yeah. Sheen being in it my god yeah so it was it was a bit of a weird one whole Spawn thing I mean I've, I've been I've been asked to review it so many times but I'm just like I can't bring myself to sort of sit there <laughs> you're probably going to have to they're remaking it right now aren't yeah, they yeah. yeah I'll probably come back saying you know, I'll review it in a couple of years later and go it's not that bad and I think oh wait a minute I've said it's terrible <laughs> but yeah Spawn was kind of the ones where because I always knew going in that I always try and read reviews when I was younger sort of there wasn't if you weren't reading Empire you'd either be reading Starburst something like that in the UK if you're in America you'd probably be Starlog or something like that but Spawn I kind of I didn't read anything about it. I went straight into it. And usually yeah. at the time, I had made an, effort, made an effort to sort of check things out. Usually through word of mouth sometimes, but Spawn had no word of mouth. He just kind of went in cold. He had no internet yeah. mm. in 97, really. So he just went in blind, and it was a stinker. Yeah. It really was. I saw it at the cinema too, and yeah, the, the points that knocked me out, because John Leguizamo is quite good fun in it. Mm. Yeah. Quite nice makeup, but then, as you say, the CGI. And yeah. it was when the Malabolger, the, the big uh, satanic thing, comes up, and it's like little Jimmy's first rendering project. And it's just... <laughs> God, like, yeah. Rah, 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 and crap fire, and oh. Yeah, and I'm, the cape as well was all CGI. Yeah, cape, it was all CGI. And it just looked... Come on, if that was a real 
fabric made it that long, it would look incredible. Yeah. It's taken them to Doctor Strange to get it right. You know? <laughs> yeah. The thing about Spawn, I don't think I've actually ever seen Spawn. I've seen the trailer enough times, but uh, mm. I'm surprised that 1997 didn't kill the superhero movie entirely when you think about Batman and Robin, yeah. Steel oh. and Spawn were all oh, out yes. in that same year. Steel. <laughs> it was the year of, of, of his bombs, really, 97 yes. was, you know, and going into 98. And there was a few, you know, great movies. Because I always, 97 for me was always just these disastrous Warner Brothers movies I kind yeah. of always saw like yeah, Wild Wild West as well oh, yeah that, like that was 99 yeah I remember when that came out I remember oh. being annoyed when Wild Wild West came out because I was too young to see it but they'd heavily promote it with a Burger King kids tie in really <laughs> yeah god <laughs> Uh, you were spared. Uh, you were spared. The other thing that doesn't help Spawn is that the version that played in cinemas was the censored PG-13 version because oh, right, yes. the version that is most commonly found on home video these days is the R-rated director's cut. Yes, yes. Yeah. I got the laser disc and it had like director's cut on it. I thought, whoa, yeah. wow, excellent. Wow, it's got like five minutes more footage. It's like, yeah. great. It's all the Melabolgers dancing. <laughs> it's got more burning in it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's literally... <laughs> that's, that's exactly what we needed to fix this Michael, film. Michael Joy Michael Jai White stars as a chicken nugget. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that was kind of my early kind of disastrous experience at the cinema. But also, the following year, we had another stinker, but I'll mention that one later. Yeah. What's your number five? Mm, I'm going to start with the earliest really bad time I can remember having at the cinema. Mm. And it was kind of punishment, I think, from the gods. (laughs) Because they had a new multi... uh, um, screen cinema had opened in Norwich, like a mm. really big one. And I worked out if I go in the right time, can I just sneak into another screening for oh. free and watch? Ooh. Mm. And I could. And the film I got to sort of see for free was Mission to Mars. And oh, I no. never did that again. <laughs> that was that my the, punishment. Is that the Brian De Palma one? I can't Yes, yes, it is. Tim Brian De Palma yes. directed it. Uh, Tim Robbins Brian and Gary De Palma Sinise. directed it. Was he off his face on cold medicine? <laughs> what? <laughs> Mind you, I've seen Sisters, but I mean, crikey, that's wow. That's that's. I didn't realise that at the time. Yeah, but it's it's just top line sci-fi nothingy gubbins. It's just so stupid. It was part of a little phase of Mars movies around that time because there was also Red Planet with Val yes. Kilmer and Tom yeah. Sizemore, yeah. which uh, I have seen. I get I, confused those two movies. Yeah, I, I've seen Red Planet. That oh, that's pretty bad. I mean, I didn't see that in the cinema, obviously. I didn't. I haven't seen Mission to Mars all the way through, but I've occasionally stumbled onto it on TV, and I've seen Tim Robbins' infamous death scene oh. where he takes off the helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, beautiful. Oh, is it Gary Sinesi who's Gary Sinesi? Yeah. He's the one who survives to the end, and the magic sugar cube aliens make everything better. Or something. I can't even remember. Because there is a great documentary on Brian De Palma. Mm. He talks about. He just sits down, and talks about all his films, um, and I think Mission to Mars is one of those movies where he just needed a hit. So he had to choose. He chose something that was kind of out of his wheelhouse, basically. Because uh, that's what Mission Impossible kind of was. We needed a hit, and he that's a massive, had a massive hit. Yeah, absolutely. And so Mission going. to Mars was kind of another thing. We're following on where he hadn't really had. I mean, I think he had experience with visual effects, but not to this extent. So that was just a huge nightmare for him. I think so much of it is so stupid. Mm. The guy out of Sliders, I think it is, is like some sort. Oh, of... Oh, Jerry O'Connell. Uh, that's the man. Yes, mm. exactly. Um, at one stage, he's they're like in you know, zero gravity or something, he gets a load of skittles and makes them rotate roughly in the shape of a DNA rib and says, that's the DNA of my perfect woman. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you think DNA is that simple? You can make it out of 23 fucking skittles? I mean, oh, that's not how a perfect God. woman works. I mean, it's just... Uh, <laughs> before we even get into that part of it, it's just so absolutely 
absolute rubbish. It really he has was. the genetically great form. Too yes. bad about the personality. <laughs> but, but only about 30 genomes on it, so she's just basically a lump of potato flesh or something. Yeah, uh, I can really taste the rainbow when I kiss her. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if that was product placement, thinking back now. Yeah, that is probably very likely product placement. Yeah. So my number five, I've chosen the same tack as you, really, because I had a bit of a deliberation. There are several films that I was kind of umming and ahhing over at my number five, just in terms of sheer bad movie experiences. So the the two that kind of got knocked off my list was a very recent one, Surviving Christmas with the Relatives. Ooh, the, uh, I never saw that. Yeah, that was from that was the Christmas fast and the writer of Facial Attraction, and it was horrible, and it was amplified by the fact that I was seeing it in an empty cinema on a Monday in December. Oh which, uh, so that is a horrible, listless movie. But there, there was another movie, I think the closest I've ever come to really like walking out of a movie... And it still didn't make this list was Kill Your Friends, the Nicholas Holt movie, which is an adaptation oh. of a book that is basically American Psycho in the record industry set in the 90s, which I just found insufferably smug. Mm. When I say that it begins with a scene where James Corden gets pissed on, that probably gives you an idea of the tone well, I mean, of I'm that I'm sold, movie. personally. But oh, yeah, that should yeah, be a great yeah. meme, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but no, my number five, actually, is The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, because I remember oh. that's the first time... I I went and saw a movie and I really, really hated it. That was 98 or something? No, that was 2000. 2000. Actually, I think it came out in 2001 in the UK. Right. Because um, I remember seeing the trailer for it in trailers, front of yeah. The Grinch and thinking, oh, this looks really good in my innocent young naivete. You have to understand that I was 10 when this movie came <laughs> yeah. out. So, you know, I am the target audience. But of course, being from the UK, I don't really know Rocky and Bullwinkle very well. I have had people come up and defend it saying, well, actually, it's very like Rocky and Bullwinkle. You still, <laughs> it was still pretty painful as an experience. I mean, that was, I think that was the first time that people had to consider the fact that maybe Robert De Niro wasn't doing great projects all the time. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, maybe he also did the voiceover, wasn't he? Uh, he yeah. didn't do the voiceover uh, segments for the well, live action he, element. Then. Yeah, he he played the live action version of the characters because <laughs> the events of Rock and Bullwinkle yeah, makes the no sense. The, oh, plot, the plot of it is the characters come out of the real world using the internet or some. Something like that. Is it, sort of, is it trying to be like Roger Rabbit in some Yes, way? it was yeah. trying to be like Roger Rabbit. So the Rocky and Bullwinkle were animated characters, but the the antagonists, uh, they they came out as live-action characters. So Robert De Niro played Fearless Leader. You had Rani Russo and Jason Alexander, filled with cameos in that movie. Mm. Uh, John Goodman, Whoopi Goldberg... Uh, Keenan and Kel turn up in that movie which My, shows you your the guarantee end. of quality <laughs> yeah. uh, there's of course that horrible moment in that movie where Robert De Niro spins around on the chair going are you talking to me well I'm the only one here oh, so no. you must be talking to me <laughs> I mean little did we know this you know dirty grandpa was in this picture <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As an aside, my dad tried to watch Dirty Grandpa recently, not knowing what it was. He got like about 20 minutes in. I don't know what this did, is. Did, did he get up to the scene where Robert De Niro is uh, wanking off and Zach Efron walks in on him? What? Oh, God. I don't know. He didn't mention it, but then again, he probably wouldn't. That is, so. that is one of the earliest scenes in the movie. Like, the the, the first time we see De Niro, he's grieving at his wife's funeral, and then Zach Efron goes to pick him up, and he walks in on him, wanking to the television, and it's. Oh, oh gosh, bad taste, isn't it? Well, 
you know, that whole movie, you, you kind of know what, you, you kind of know what oh, you're getting in for with that yeah, one. Yeah, I suppose so, but I mean, it's just, it's just a fall from grace for him, isn't it? Yeah. You know, to do that. Isn't it just? Bloody yeah. hell. You know, one of the most respected actors oh, ever. He just goes does his shite. I think Rocky and Bullwinkle, I, I can't remember the name of it now, but it, it was actually the second Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. I think the first one focused on the characters that Jason Alexander and Rene Russo played, but they didn't have the rights to Rocky and Bullwinkle. What? So they just focused on the villains. Oh it went God. as badly as you would expect that's oh. insane I mean you just wouldn't make it would you yeah, yeah. bloody hell <laughs> I can't remember the name of it now but I will splice in the, the box art of it oh, if God. I remember in Rocky and Bullwinkle don't Rocky and Bullwinkle stay as cartoons but the mm. villains yes. all become real people yes they're is that explained of... No, not really. I presume it's because it's cheaper to do it that way because yeah. they obviously they were like two, 3D but sort of 2D cell characters. Bloody hell. Well, next one on the list, I, <clears throat> I, I suppose, number four this would be for me, Men in Black 2. Ooh. See, that was... Because also, you know, we all know the first one was great hit. Everyone, most people really enjoyed that film. Mm. Nice 90-minute movie that sort of whips along really quickly. Great jokes, great great visual effects, and Will Smith being you know, at the height of his popularity. Then come the sequel, I think, which was like what I think three or four years later, maybe yeah. less than that. Maybe mm. I was working at the time uh, for Game, a sort of video game shop, and then we'd always sort of go out on a bender on like Friday, Saturday night. And then the following day, we'd be completely blitzed and hungover and go watch a film. And Men in Black Two was like the one that everyone was kind of raving about, so to speak, because the hype machine had already kicked in on that film. And I hadn't bothered to look at, any, at look at the reviews. I think I maybe heard word of mouth that it wasn't quite as good, but that's, you know, that's the thing you come to expect with sequels. Went into it, and it was one of the dullest films I'd ever seen. The first one had this kind of energy to it with the camera yeah. work. There's lots of uh, tracking shots, everything like that. It felt alive, where this one felt so stilted and just like locked off cameras where they shot so much green screen stuff. Men in Black 2, um, I remember, because I reviewed that uh, ages and ages ago. I did, that's probably where my first real taste of disappointment as well when I was a mm. kid because uh, I was about 11 and I remember really hating it. Yeah. I remember really taking a dislike to it. It's a very short movie as well. It's only like 80-odd yeah, yeah. minutes and that's partly because they had like a short in front of it, like mm. an animated short, which was probably a bit of a suspicion. There. I don't recall that in the UK yeah, they, yeah, maybe they, they did. They did because yeah. it was a really short running time, so they were trying to make it look a bit more. It did feel short. The whole thing, obviously, with any film you watch, where it's like it doesn't matter if it's ninety minutes or eighty minutes. If it's insanely boring, it will feel oh, twice yeah. as long. Absolutely. That's why I think like Quantum of Solace feels like a really long movie. It was he like ninety minutes on the shortest. Yeah. Well, the same runtime as one of the older Bond films. Will Smith is yeah with, is is trying his best with the material, but everyone just seems so kind of phoning in everything because yeah. they're just like so bored with it. And no one's in love with the script. It's mm. one of those Sony needs a sequel, have all this money. Was, I, I remember it being a very, very expensive movie. Yeah. Put down to so much control over the visual mm. effects where everything we don't know we're not gonna do this live action, we're gonna do it in green screen so we control all this effects yeah. and stuff. And it's overloaded with CGI, which isn't particularly brilliant. No, um, no, it's not. And the thing with Men in Black 2, I remember being disappointed about it. I think I think at least one critic got it kind of right in that the dynamic was kind of gone from the first movie. when yeah, you, chemistry's they not there, yeah. They try to reverse it in that Tommy Lee Jones is sort of inexperienced. you got to go find the deneuralizer. We have to go back to all the jokes from the first movie, which yeah. is always the sequel trap. It's always, oh, we have to do a flip on the first joke. So Tony Shalhoub is back as Jeebs. you got Frank the Pug, who's more in the movie and more annoying than ever. So having to stick through this <coughs> terrible film yeah. and being hungover. <laughs> made it an awful experience what doesn't, <laughs> what doesn't help Men in Black too is they had to reshoot a huge chunk of it 
Did they? Surprise. Because um, this was in 2002. You might recall there was a very significant event uh, in 2001. Oh, uh, right. Apparently, the original climax of the movie had was set on the top of the World Trade Center. Because you remember uh, the climax of Men in Black 2, it's set on top of a building that's facing the Statue of Liberty. Yes. Which, of course, goes into that stupid Deus Ex Machina Statue of Liberty neuralizer gag. Yeah. But apparently, the original climax of the movie was set on top of the World Trade Center. I heard that there was going to be spaceships popping out of it. Mm. Like, it was going to be a big sequence. And they had to, obviously eliminate it entirely and yeah. reshoot it you'll notice during the movie that Johnny Knoxville the two-headed bad guy yeah. he just disappears out of the movie at some yeah. point because they couldn't, they couldn't get him back for the reshoot oh so my God. <laughs> and one thing I did notice when I was editing it as well from the way that they've restructured the movie watch carefully if you ever go back to it there's a scene where all the villains are standing in a line in the MIB headquarters after they've taken it over. And I discovered this when I was editing my episode. Mm. Watch the last shot of one scene, and then about half an hour later, that same scene picks up. They literally just splice it down the middle, stuck a bunch of scenes in the middle of it, and called oh it two. <laughs> and literally picked up in the same spot. <laughs> and it's got a cameo of Michael Jackson in it. Yes, it's, it does. Yeah. Yes, it does. desperate to be in that film, I think, really. Oh, I think the gag that I hated most in it is the uh, bit where they're flying around in the car and suddenly a fucking PlayStation controller comes out. Oh, yes. Because, of course, oh, Sony made yeah. the movie in its yeah. awful product placement. Well, it was good that they actually left a huge gap for, what, over a decade to do a third one. And the third one was a good film. I was amazed the third um, one came out as well as it did because they actually shut down production on the third one because they were having so many problems with the time travel element of the script. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, apparently, it was not even, like... You know how they, how they ch- how they colour the rewrite pages. Mm. It was like getting into triple orange, oh, <laughs> triple red. <laughs> I didn't like Men in Black three much actually, but it's definitely a massive. It's far improvement more di- yeah, digestible kind of experience than number the two. It was just. I felt exactly the same. Saw it at the cinema. Mm. It's just like a flat remake. It's, it's like it's, they'd remade yeah. it in for a foreign market or something. Yet somehow <laughs> yeah, used the yeah. same language. You know? Yeah, exactly. Everything sort of lower down. It's kind of the same villain, but not. And could you say Men in Black was kind of lightning in a bottle? Yes, the first one to a was. certain extent. And and there is it's such an interesting idea that could be pursued with sequels, you know. But they they obviously did, but being inherently kind of never didn't actually work yeah. as successfully as the first. And we're on the cusp of Men in Black International, aren't we? Yes. yes. The yeah. fourth Nobody one seems to know much about that, but uh, with with um, Chris Hemsworth and Liam Neeson, yeah, Liam Neeson. I guarantee we just have the same kind of plot as the first one, and just yeah. be like bigger and better. You know, it looks yeah. like it might be a little bit different from the others, which mm. might. I know F. Gary Gray's directing it, so it's the first one not directed oh, okay. by Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh, yeah. Who's yeah. a great cameraman, isn't he? So, yeah. so uh, what's your number four? Right, my number four is going to be that classic we have discussed at length in the past. I don't know if we did it publicly or not, probably not. Premonition, starring the oh. mighty Sandra Bullock from her picking really bad scripts phase. Okay. Is that the late 90s sort of phase? No, this is 2007, 2006. Oh, really? Yeah. Sorry, I thought it might so, be something uh, like close to the net. You know, that yes, film. Yes, oh my God, the net. <laughs> Internet and the movie. <laughs> I'm doing a hacking. <laughs> so for those of you who don't remember Premonition, including all of them, including this, everyone, this, I imagine. This will be the one where... Uh, I was a projectionist at the time, so it must have where Sandra, come Where Sandra yeah. Bullock plays a woman who wakes up one morning and she discovers that she's skipped ahead several days. Wait and her husband has died and then she wakes up the next morning and then she's in the morning after the original morning so she's (laughs) skipping back and forth across the week and then she has to figure out all the events that are occurring that are leading up to her husband's death and she has to avert it in some way. Her husband is the guy 
guy from Nip Tuck who Julian was McMahon. yes the Doctor Doom in the awful Fantastic Four. Four. I don't know why I said the awful ones. They were the better ones. <laughs> <laughs> They're still pretty bad, but I mean, God. oh dear, yeah, it's it's just nothing. It just doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't say anything, and you get to the end and like, oh well, nothing really mad anyway. But the twist of the end is she's pregnant. So, okay, what's so that got to do with anything? I saw, what? I saw, <laughs> this hasn't been anything about pregnancy. Don't you see it coming? What? What? I, I saw Premonition when it came out on DVD, and I'm I remember. Sorry to hear that. I I remember it got really knotted in its time travel mechanics. Mm. So uh, one of Sandra Bullock's daughters in that film, she wakes up one morning and suddenly her face is all completely scarred up, like really horribly scarred. Have you slept funny or something? Yeah, <laughs> just really sharp. And it's, supposed to be, and it's supposed to be a mystery, like. How did this happen? How did this occur? And then the movie shows the event that happens where she accidentally ran into a glass door. What? Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is, the day that that occurred, we'd already seen the day after where she wasn't scarred. So <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> the whole thing, I can remember almost none of it. And that's... Was there a point halfway into the film studio we just went, this is absolute shit? Yes. The it end, really was. Ending... In fact, that came quite early, if oh, I remember. Right. And it just sort of got compounded. Just look, at the, look at the watch time. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. The yeah, ending well, is yeah. bullshit at the highest <laughs> order. So she she figures out the event. So she figures out that Julian McMahon is having an affair or about to have an affair. And she tracks him down onto the road where he's going to die. And she stops it. But then the twist is, it turns out that she was the one who inadvertently caused it. Because... Oh, no! Oh. on the road and then the, then the gas tanker starts skidding crashes into the car crashes oh, and explodes so it turns out the whole movie was fucking points yeah. so it's like oh, oh that's great that's the end of that yeah. so my number four and I'm surprised I actually forgot about this you might have seen me scrolling through my phone for a second there because I was trying to jog my memory my number four is actually a very mobile cinema trip uh, Fifty Shades of Black oh. the Marlon Wayne oh, spoof no. of Fifty oh, like Shades date of movie, disaster movie, yeah. that kind of pedigree. Well, yeah. the, that, those were Salzburg films. Uh, Wayne, White chicks, didn't they? Yeah, Wayne, Wayne's did the haunted. Oh ha- God, <gasps> Wayne's did the haunted house movies, didn't they? Oh, the, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Fifty Shades of Black is an utterly dreadful parody of the first Fifty Shades of Grey. But what if it had really awful, degrading sex jokes in oh, it? Right. Well, like, yeah. like really horrible sexist stuff. Like, oh man, your vagina really stinks. There's loads. That kind of stuff. <laughs> wow. yeah, real top quality humour. Writers in a room for days yeah. coming up with that one. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Like, there's a whole scene where they just where they talk about at length, you know, sort of pubic smells and oh ugh, like really disgusting. It's stuff. very sort of childish kind of yeah. humour. Yeah. So I think the joke is meant to be: what if Christian Grey was black? And apparently, Wayne's thought on that was is you can see that in the opening sequence. Even though he's supposed to be a millionaire. He mugs people on the street and things like that and steals people's cars. Like, what? What? This is, like, this is, if it wasn't written by a black guy, this, this would be kind of considered racist, you know? Like, this is <laughs> pretty what? severely to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, if a rich man was black, he'd just steal things all the time because he's black, and that's the joke. Yes. What? What? Um, what? <laughs> They had done one good spoof, I think, yeah. years back. Was no. don't, no. don't be a menace to South Central or yeah. drinking oh. juice in the hood. That was, yeah, that, 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 that was Keen Ivory Wayne's, not Marlon Wayne's, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. It's one of the brothers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. 
He's got to keep his other brother out of it. (laughs) Lock the door, keep him out of it. I remember Fifty Shades of Black having terrible continuity, which is a strange thing to say in a spoof movie, but if you have a whole sequence where someone has an arse that doesn't feel anything, like like Marlon Wayne's fucking hits a chair over her back and she doesn't feel it over her ass even she doesn't feel it and then later on they do the, the spanking scene from Fifty Shades of Grey and she's like I can't take this anymore what? what? Yeah. <laughs> you forgot what? but Matthew you knew the film was terrible why did you go see it? okay what? so I was at MAGFest I saw this in America and me and Rap Critic were like well we, we don't have time to write a script for anything but we can kind of do a video together so we got all those people from MAGFest together mm. and you can see that video on my channel if you wanted to. And uh, we we all went to see it at uh, an EMC theatre. So we had a family in front of us because, of course, this is America. Get a family into an R-rated movie. Oh, yeah, you can do. Of, yeah, yeah. Even though it has loads of sex talk in it. Like, one of the kids was really young. And what was really disconcerting is they, they occasionally in front of us, because they remembered lines from the trailer, would quote the lines as oh, the movie what? was happening. And for a second, we were like, have they seen this movie before? Do they just keep going back? They've gone back to see it. Yeah, it's, it's funny how these sort of weird comedies keep being produced because yeah. the people are this watching the this film, they, make, they are making a profit. I think it's like Adam the, Sandler movies. This is isn't the it? last one they've made because this one got such a negative reception. But then the people behind us, so there was an audience behind us. Halfway through the movie, security comes in, kicks them all out. What for? I, I think they like snuck into the theatre. Oh, right. <laughs> I thought we, they were getting like a bit hanky-panky. One of the other people in our group goes, uh, bring out your tickets. They're, they're checking tickets. I'm like, what the fuck? Am I going to get arrested in the middle of a movie theatre with watching <laughs> British Shades of Black? <laughs> <laughs> That's the most embarrassing arrest in history. Oh, oh, dear. oh man. So that was that was Meryl. Anyway, moving on to number three. Number three. Uh, for me, it's Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Ooh, Ooh, I've, nev- see, I've never yes. seen the second I one. have never seen either. Because I, I like Alien and Predator, and I don't want, <laughs> don't want this in my life. Because I, cause I was work, obviously working as a projectionist for a number of years, from two thousand four to two thousand eleven. So I got to see quite, quite a few number of mo- movies. I was very picky about what I chose, but when you know a movie like Alien vs Predator comes in, you know you kind of know it's going to be a bit shit yeah. because the first, the first one was dire. So but I was quite excited to see it because I thought maybe they've listened to feedback and changed it maybe in some way. So I previewed it, and previewing films at cinema was always a quite you know an interesting kind of option but the majority of the time when you work at cinema anyone watching it's always the managers have to decide if they're going to stay on if they don't live nearby they won't stay on so you won't preview yeah. it after work no one's uh, like, oh, i've got to go home i've got to drive two hours so i watched it and the whole film you can't see a bloody thing because the <laughs> photography is so bad like like the cinematography so it's, it's so mo- dark it's so dark it, the daytime scenes obviously you can see but when it comes to the aliens they they made attempt to actually use a lot of practical stuff but because they lid it in such a way you can't, you can't fucking see it it's directed by effects people as well yeah, <laughs> you see it on 35 millimeter film at the time a massive screen i couldn't see it it's like there's a bit a sequence in the sewer where these homeless people sort of living there and these face circles come in and these alien comes down the corner they shot it in a way it was actually quite like Reddy Scott where you've got like the side of the wall and the alien's head comes around the side it's all done like quick editing you can't barely see a thing and the characters are awful because it's all done like a like yeah. a these the human characters are all like teenagers who are a bunch of dicks uh, like a comedy kind of rom-com yeah. kind of thing Pre- the Predator's actually quite good where he's like he's called like the Wolf or Lone Wolf yeah they base him off um, Harvey Keitel's character from Pulp Fiction yes he just <laughs> turns up and cleans up the, the... <laughs> so he's advertising things the whole time yeah <laughs> direct line <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so he yeah he turns up to clean stuff clean stuff up and you know causes some you know damage and some, some interesting action scenes when you can see them but as a fan of the franchise, just sat there 
I've been watching on bike mate with about four people on this ginormous screen. Oh. It was one of the most disappointing experience of this sort of, you know, out of the whole franchise. Mm. Because even though AVP One was not a very good film, it had kind of little nuggets of like, that's okay, it's not that bad. But this was just like the next step up. Yeah. Because it was such insulting and tonally off. And well, like, it's just... and there's a woman, oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, there's a woman who's pregnant and she gets impregnated by the pred alien and then the aliens go in her, they yeah, go in her stomach and they burst out of her stomach and they've eaten the baby inside and it's awful bad taste. Yeah. It's, oh. it, was, it was just well, it's disturbing. It, it was R-rated, wasn't it? It's because it was a response to the PG-13 racing yeah, the first yeah. one and it has that stupid title where they were clearly searching for an R word. What well, had been title. used before so for a long time. they have AVPR as the acronym. Yeah. 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 It, I didn't see it but I just remember hearing reports of it being very, very gratuitously gory and violent just for yeah. the sake of it. Like it, it's it, literally yeah. just kill scenes yeah. and that's it. Yeah. So I, they just should be violent these movies yeah. they, they shouldn't be toned down for children but seeing a, a pregnant woman get impregnated yeah, by a pred alien just like you've past. gone too far yeah. you know it goes way past it really yeah. and then and they have characters named after others that, don't they quote the lot they quote several lines they quote, yeah they quote like, I think there may be stuff, stuff, stuff get like to Predator, the chopper get to the chopper yeah, yeah. things yeah. like that new kit from orbit uh, doesn't uh, Miss Yutani turn up at the end of that's it that's right you're trying <laughs> to connect it connect the universe as it were yeah yeah. oh my god wasn't good isn't there somebody checking yeah guys when we're filming this can we make it so you can see it is that okay <laughs> is, is, is that something we can do behind... it must have been the grading in the print when they yeah. did it they, like, they had a behind so, the scenes yeah. um, clip I think it's up on YouTube on the guys that did the effects for it mm. and they're shooting a scene and you can see the DP like with a flashlight going it's not bright enough it's not bright enough it's not fucking bright enough <laughs> <laughs> so fuck it we'll do it later yeah, yeah. <laughs> we fix it in post yeah. Yeah. It CGI everything <laughs> get the guided spawn in it'll be great yeah. exactly what's your number three oh, dearie me right for number three I'm going to pick one I hinted at earlier Fant 4 stick oh fantastic yes. for the the thing that exists, unfortunately. So, I mean, I went in knowing it was going to be shit, mm. but I, yeah, I was blown here. away by just how dull and insipid mm. and stupid the whole thing is. <laughs> Listen to Doctor Doom here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Listen to Doctor Doom here. <laughs> oh, it's just the... Oh, it's unbelievable that it was... I mean, it's supposedly, you know, Trank had a vision for it. Josh Trank. The, the Trank isn't, sounds like a Transformer, but um, <laughs> the director. And uh, there's a lot of production interference and all this kind of stuff. But what he's ended up with is so awful. Mm. And some of it is tonally so horrible. Yeah. Like the, uh, the, the, you infamously... Your tweet became famous for mentioning yes, it. it. Oh, did, did it? Because I went... Yeah. I, went um, I, I saw this as well. I saw this as a Cineworld Unlimited screening. I was mm. amazed they ever showed this to an audience before its official release amazed like two days before it came out so I was one of the first people who'd actually seen it yeah. and I remember when I when I came out of the movie I did an absolute like, tweet storm of all the all the sort of stupid memorable lines and of course the the one tweet that became infamous was the thing got his catchphrase it's clobbering time from his abusive brother because that happens in the movie they're kids yeah. and his brother comes up and goes it's clobbering time and slaps the shit out of him yeah like, god and, and I remember this going I've got kids, a, guys <laughs> <laughs> you know I've, I've got to keep this in my mind for later because oh boy Twitter's going to explode and boy did it like uh, that tweet went everywhere I remember there being this like 
you, you watching it, you felt that so much footage was missing. It wasn't mm-hmm. this like subtly things were trimmed, but it was just so obvious. Yeah, like yeah. something that's There's been cut ju- heavily. Like the bit where they they've got the powers and suddenly they escape. It's months yeah. later. So, yeah, like, what just chunks of it have just it takes, disappeared. Yeah, it the takes forever ether. to get going. Yeah. It takes forty five oh, minutes before they actually get their powers, yeah. and then it seems like the movie's on fast forward. And then it, I remember going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay. I need, I kind of need a pee, and then I realised. Oh, this is the ending of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The end. It has the most stupid fucking ending of any movie I can think of that isn't like some, you know, zero budget thing from the 80s mm. or specifically pieces. Um, Someone grabs the testicles. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's, <laughs> um, that's how pieces ends, everyone. Um, so, Spoilers. Yes, yeah, so yeah, ruined that one for you. So yeah, at the end of the film, it's not a spoiler for a superhero film to say the good guys win. But yeah, they're speaking to like the US government. And the US government like, right, yeah, we don't trust you guys because you're all weird. And, you know, <laughs> you're all bendy. Yeah, yeah, you're bendy. You're invisible. You're a lump of fucking rock. I don't know what What's going on? <laughs> um, so instead, uh, Reed Richards' character says, all right, I think you'll find you'll be giving us billions for research and have our own facility. And they're like, well, no, we're not. That's ridiculous. Why would we do that? <laughs> and, and the thing just goes, like that. He goes, oh, all right, then. You can't yeah. threaten a fucking government <laughs> by going up to a representative <laughs> and going, Grr. Like, I forgot that happened. They've got an army. <laughs> they've, got, they've got to sign these things off. It's, <laughs> it isn't just some bloke in a uniform. All right, I have $20 billion a week then. You know? <laughs> yeah. They can't sign that off. They, they, they reshot half the bloody movie because I think Trank's vision of it was much darker. You can kind of see some well, of that. It's like, 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 like the body yeah. horror element. Yeah, well, like, there's that, a lot that, of kind of Cronenberg stuff. Totally so off yeah, from Fantastic not, Four. That's not Fantastic Four, is it? Not really. It's pop. Color mm, yeah. candy, like what actually like the the ones prior, yeah. but yeah, they, they were just like so. just a bit shit. Yeah, you know, they weren't. And of course, yeah. the thing we have to mention is the fact they reshot half the movie, and mm. of course, um, oh, who was it? Oh, Sue Storm, mm. the actress that plays her, Kate Mara. Oh, oh, the wigs, the wigs, yeah, the wigs, oh, the wigs. Because yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> she'd had a total haircut by this stage. Yeah. It was <laughs> an awful wig on. In oh. Yeah, man, that's it's painful. How I mean, I'm sure Trank's vision would have been too dark and you know probably Trank, not that great. Trank's but at vision, least it yeah. would have been something like a fully formed. Vision. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So my number three is Nativity Three. Dude, where's my donkey? Oh god, is that number four? No, that's number th- that's number three of the series. Because of course they are now are up to number four, which I didn't actually see in the cinema. I managed to uh, get a lucky escape out of that one, but. Um, <laughs> So number three in the series is the one with Martin Clunes in it. And yes. he gets kicked in the head by a donkey and he gets amnesia. <laughs> and so that kind of ruins the mechanic of the series in the first place. Right. Because, of course, you've got the stubborn teacher next to the childlike Mr. Poppy, which is a nightmare of a character. <laughs> like ca- He is a character that has the mentality of roughly around a six-year-old. Ah! Kill me now. <laughs> like How he, do these people qualify? I didn't wonder that. He actually, Mr. Poppy actually seems to get worse by film. And I remember by the third film, they actually mentioned that his character is borderline illiterate. Oh my God. <laughs> but he's still a qualified teacher somehow. No, I think he, I think there was some like stupid setup in the previous films where he's like the nephew of the headmistress played by Pam mm. Ferris, but she's not in the third one anymore. She's been replaced by Celia Imrie. So yeah. she fires him. So technically he's not even like an official school employee. <laughs> 
employee, oh and yet he abducts all the children. Like he keeps, oh, well, that's he just right. keeps yeah. abducting all the children. Like in the second film, which I thought was the really for that, yeah. the second film was really dreadful. He abducts a load of children to go to a singing competition. Oh, that's really, it. he should have gone to jail. So after he abducts all that. them twice, then the second and the third. Yes, one? because he and he, and he <laughs> flies them what all. He... To, he manages to fly them all to America using what? like using cardboard wings. He made himself. Oh God! He steals someone else's tickets. Like that's not how that works. There's passport control and everything, but it also this is one of the most technically inept movies I've ever seen. And it's only a... made for the UK market. Yeah, the pretty, UK pretty much. So part of this film is set in New York. Uh, Martin Clues' fiance is Catherine Tate. She's supposedly staying in a hotel in the middle of New York City. This has some of the worst location matching I have ever seen because they clearly shot Catherine Tate scenes in a country hotel in England. Uh. So you have scenes with massive windows where you can see hills in the background and then it will cut to them walking outside and they're in the middle of New York City. <laughs> they should have shot it in Milton Keynes. <laughs> At the very end of the movie they're supposedly on the Empire State Building and it's literally just a set with a, like, a, like, a, like a backdrop put up against it and oh they've superimposed God. it on a photo. Oh, that's a wank. Oh, God. <laughs> the continuity is so bad that there's a flash mob competition going on at night in London and they're cutting to the kids in school watching it in Leeds at the same no commentary commentary I'm saying Coventry gotta to, got to be really precise with this <laughs> people are going to be picking that out of the comments all the Nativity 3 fans will um, come out of the so, woodwork and... so they're watching it in the school in Coventry even though it's probably 8 o'clock at night and it's daytime out the window so it's cutting like <laughs> time what <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, oh, that, I, I, I couldn't believe that was actually released, <laughs> and yet it's still not on the top spots. Right, my number two is Transformers Two: oh. Revenge of the Fallen. Now, I quite like the first film. Some people hate the film, you know. Um, I, I like the first one. Um, I did review it, and um, but so the hype was kind of there for the sequel. I'm, I, I grew up with Transformers, but any sort of kind of. In the background, it was. I was more yeah. Thundercats than He-Man. Yeah, I, but but at the time, well, you know, when it was like '89, when I was getting into those things, those shows had already been on TV. These yeah. are repeats, the second repeat, you know. Um, and you couldn't really buy. I, could, I never saw Transformers in the shops anymore by kind of early '90s. I think. No, I grew up in the there. '90s, and I I didn't really get into Transformers at all. No, so come seeing the film, I wasn't expecting like you know Generation One everything. I just wouldn't. I didn't. I wasn't an expert and all that. So I kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, but come number two, uh, it was. I mean, everyone's everyone's seen Transformers too. It's, well, yeah. maybe maybe not Stuart. So, quick story here. I apparently went to the cinema to see Transformers Two with a friend. Right. Totally forgot about it because I was talking to him years later and said, yeah, "I've never seen any of those bloody Transformers films." And I was saying, "Well, you went, we went to the cinema. You did. You did a video on it." If I'm, I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and I have totally forgotten every single aspect of the oh film and not even seen it. All I can remember when really concerned is just a lot of flashing lights and noise. Yes, like yes. basically like a fever headache. Yeah, yeah. Because so, so come see number two. The trailers were weren't, weren't that bad. Obviously, I was working as a projectionist. The film was, you know, as everyone's seen it, it's a load of old shite. Um, there's it's totally all over the place. It, it, we, there obviously there's production problems. I think there was a writer's strike. Yeah. Um, but also sort of how it's edited and how um, the action set pieces are done. They're all just like well, every explosion of Michael Bay film. It's like a firework. It's not like a proper like a like John Woo sort of meaty big fireball, yeah. you know. But by the end of the movie, what really fucking annoyed me. Is that people applauded? Oh, oh that, that it was over. End, end, no, no, they were they were loving this movie. End credits come up with a fucking uh, cheesy rock music, and people were cheering, clapping, 
I mean, the, the British are very sort of reserved. Yeah, it's sort of very rare to see that. Going, uh, all sort of just go, uh, but people proper cheering. And I was fuming, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this. I cannot and, believe this. And it's so biased towards the fans, uh, so I can sort of yeah. understand it because it do, it deliberately does the optimist death to try and like. Oh, God, yeah. you know, wrangle the tears yeah. from the long-term fans. Flanders comes in every film. Uh, yeah. All the Michael Bay films for the last five minutes. It goes, <laughs> cleans everything up, and it ends. <laughs> it's, it's just like it's just it, Deus ex primer. It's yeah. like you know, you watch like an action film, and at the end where he saved the person, there's no kind of roundup of things. Just go, yeah. credits coming straight away. That's no, what Michael Bay Optim- films. Optimus does a narration, it's, and then the, the yeah, credits roll. They, the films are so long, but when it comes to the very end, it just goes. They just clean up the mess and get the Hoover it up, whatever. Then end credits straight away. Yeah, the know, Fallen just... is barely a villain in the movie, and he gets killed in about two minutes. And he gets his face like pulled apart. It was like yeah. if it was like Tony you know... Todd voiced him, and it's a complete waste of Tony Todd. Yeah, yeah, he pulls his face apart. It's all quite graphic for like it's like say robot parts, but I mean it's in- the intent is there. If yeah, you've seen, they're still feeling you know... pain and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Optimus Prime in the Transformers <laughs> films, the Bay ones, he seems to be more Judge Dredd. Like, give me your face. <laughs> <laughs> Optimus, no! I'm going to have sex with you, Megatron. (laughs) (laughs) That one I would watch. Um, But yeah, so that was a bit... I mean, I watched number three as well. I mean, three wasn't as bad, but it was just like... But it was longer. Come on! (laughs) (laughs) So long. But yeah, number two. I saw Transformers 2 in the cinema and uh, I gave... You reviewed that very early on, didn't you? Your your career. I did a text review of it and I was a bit... What, teletext? In my early channel days, where I used to do like sort of text reviews, and I think I gave it a three point five out of five. And boy, did that review not go down very well. And that, that, that was a day where I wasn't really paying attention to the movie. I had a terrible day, so I was just sort of well, whatever, whatever. It, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be, I guess. And then, <laughs> it's so I, bad, I give it four out of five. And, and, and of course, I went back later, and I was like. My God, what? How did I allow this to stand? And then I did the video about it. Has there been experiences for you guys where you've gone to see a movie and you've kind of like, oh, it's all right. Then a week later, it's gone. Actually, that was absolutely terrible. Yeah, uh, I think I I did that with a good day to die hard because I was such a fan of that franchise. I was trying to convince myself that it was any kind of good, and then I was like, no, no. And Prometheus, Prometheus, I think is the archetypal one for most people. I was like, no, no, there must be something that I'm missing here. There must be something that I'm missing here. Oh, no, 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 I'm not missing anything. It's actually getting worse. Oh, no. Oh, no. When me and my friend saw Street Fighter, the, the movie, my oh. I, I spoke to my friend afterwards. He goes, yeah, it wasn't that bad, was it? He's like, yeah, yeah. And a week later, he goes, oh, that film was terrible. <laughs> like, what, what was I thinking? You know, I remember, I think there was a review of it in like Sega magazine or Meme Machines, or whatever. Some guy said, this could be the best film ever made or one of the worst films ever made. I can't, I can't decide. <laughs> Oh, you think they were mutually exclusive. Just mentioned quickly, the one I got caught up in at the time would have been probably Star Trek Into Darkness, where everything's happening so fast, yeah. you're watching, you're like, ooh. Yeah. And then, but like two minutes after you're at the cinema, you're like, that was just utter dimbo shit, wasn't it? There's just like, none of that made any Nothing, no motivation with any sense to it. It really was just, here's a load of images. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy. Uh, same, I think. Uh, so what was your number My two? My number two is, right, just to head off any comments, we will say we're not saying these are the worst films of all time. These are just particularly ones we disliked that we personally saw in the cinema. It is The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies. Oh, the five really? Armies. Oh, it was fucking hell. I mean, I don't know why I went to say I didn't like the first one much. The second one is awful. 
And somehow the third one manages to drill below that, below the bottom <laughs> of the barrel. And it's just... I quite like it. Well, I like the extended cut, not the theatrical. I haven't seen yeah. the extended. I wish I hadn't seen the standard cut. I don't know why I went to see it. I knew it wasn't going to be great. But I thought, oh, maybe it'll, you know, it'll be a big fight. It'll be all right. But just mm. what what is going on? Mm. What, nothing in this holds together. I don't give a shit about any of the characters. Bilbo apparently disappeared at the end of the first film as a character, mm. yeah. and then they just bring him back at the end. Oh, well done in your journey, except we ignored you for most of the film because it was all about the sexy dwarves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like all the dwarves, like chips, are, yeah, yeah. Chips. <laughs> they really lost sight of those movies. I think, like when they made the decision to stretch out into three movies instead of two. Mm. Yeah, it really kind of lost it's any kind of idea of what they were doing, with, yeah. and it's filled with padding i mean i think i gave it a fairly lukewarm review but i think that was only because i was being, feeling generous because it was the shortest one and i because i hated the first hobbit movie the most because it really? takes forever it's to get incredibly started incredibly dull yes yes no, it absolutely takes forever is, yeah. i can't agree with you guys but i love them <laughs> i love the extended ones i could watch like oh, an eight hour cut I don't, I, I don't know if i can ever re-watch the hobbit movie uh, i'm just gonna, I'm just gonna uh, face the, this um, direction for the rest of the video <laughs> <laughs> Well, not just because not just because they're incredibly long. I mean, I'm, it's, it's a bit of a hard decision to make to watch in Lord of the Rings again. Sense, those movies are inherently too long. Yeah. But if you're watching them at home in the comfort of your own thing, and it, it, the length doesn't particularly bother me because yeah. that's part of my Christmas viewing is the Tolkien movies. Yeah. So ah. I, I have to alternate between my girlfriend's choice of Harry Potter movies and then yeah. Lord of the Rings. Ah. So I have to sort of do those. I have a bit of a hard, I think I'll just have a hard time watching the Hobbit movies again after watching no, um, Lindsay Ellis's videos on them because, of course, she did a three part series on them. She went out to New Zealand and talked with some of the people that worked on the movies. And the, apparently they got really screwed over in New Zealand, like, because uh, the studio interfered with sort of the politics going into like the funding the labour laws I think that yeah that like labour laws and I think the, the scale the actors were paid at because when they changed it to, to, to three movies I think there's a lot of sort of behind the scenes I did it who are because Peter Jackson was owed he was yeah. owed money as well from the studios because of the profit yeah. on those films but yeah it's a, it, it just feels a bit queasy to me but in general I just think the the Hobbit movies they don't recapture the magic of Lord of the Rings. They don't work as standalones. They're real messes. Wasn't it supposed to be Guillermo del Toro? Yes, yes. it was. Jackson had to come in at the 11th hour and there yeah. wasn't yeah. enough time to actually do everything. I would have loved to have seen what he did with it because he would have been so much better. He I, would have... I don't like to see what Jackson would have done with it if they'd have given him enough time yeah, and just Jackson two films. You know, still, yeah. Jackson's still an amazing director, yeah. I think. You know, the amount of work that goes into those films and the amount of time he spent on those. You know, it goes from like... Very big guy, and seeing King Kong, he's all stressed out, he's all frail and skinny, yeah. he's especially yes. slept, you know. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'd be I, I, interesting to see what Dottoro would have done with that. Go, go, yeah. Get my yeah, but yeah. My number two is Top Cat, the movie. Top the Cat, most respectable. Yes. Is this the Brazilian made one? Yes, this yeah. is the. Because they made two of those. Uh, both of those got theatrical releases, but I only saw the first one because I was reviewing that one. I think I nearly reviewed the second one. I have seen the second one. <laughs> the second one is a 3D animation. Uh, well, technically both of them are, but Top Cat the movie, the first one, is that horrible one where they've got really nasty 3D animation for the backdrops and everything, but the characters are all sort of 2D flash animation. Mm. So you've got horrible moments in the movie where the scaling, like the interaction between them is off. I remember one shot where a character's sliding down like a... like like a whole bunch of money, but the money's in 3D, but the character's in 2D, and it just is what? so oh, wonky God. and wobbly. I mean, that cobble cut out, yeah. isn't it? And it is literally in 3D, so it was quite awful. When did this come out? This 
2012. So I think the American version has a different dub. I think Danny Trejo's in it because he's in everything. But in the <laughs> UK version, he's <laughs> not in it. But um, oh, I remember the voice acting being terrible. The plot makes no sense. That like I know this seems like a weird thing to say in a Top Cat movie, <laughs> but um, so he's, he's, really strong so narrative from yeah, dramas. Yeah, yeah. Where are the layers of allegory? So Come top, on. <laughs> top Cat gets sent to prison in the movie, but because the regular prison is full, he's sent to dog jail. Oh, what? Matthew, <laughs> why did you watch this? Because I was reviewing it. Dog jail. My poor uni friend <laughs> sat next to me, and we're the only two in the. No, no, because there was another. There was a, like a mother and some kids, and she's like spending the whole movie gritting her teeth, scrolling through oh, her phone, yeah. you know that sort of thing. And me and my friend uh, sort of sat next to each other, slumping in our seats slowly <laughs> as this is unfolding. It is also one of the few kids' movies I can think of that ends in an implied rape joke. Oh God! Because um, the kids love that. The, the villain of the film, he gets the he gets the situation that Top Cat is. The, he he instead of get, getting sent to regular prison he's sent to dog jail and it, I think one of the dogs goes I'm, I'm going to make you my bitch or something I don't think they say it like that oh god, <laughs> god. god. some sort of dogging sort of yeah. gag or something and, and this is for kids yes, ostensibly yes. for children and I think I remember there was like some sort of plot with killer robots it's awful uh, the sequel is Top Cat Reborn there was it? a sequel <laughs> yeah uh, that, one's, that one's fully 3D animated and Doing uh, Resurrection uh, I think it's. I, if I remember, it was slight. It was slightly better than the than the first one. It's. I had the same dubbing team, if I remember. But there was one moment where I was, and I can't believe it passed in a huge difficult movie. So at the very end of the movie, when he up when he defeats the villain, he goes, "Huh, that, that line I said was really cheesy." Hey, Mister Big. Fuck you! And they bleep out the line like, like bah, 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 and it comes oh, up with a see. huge censored thing. But you could like, it's barely censored. Yeah. So you could tell he was like, "Fuck you!" It's, it's, it's basically like, cut off. He says the f word, basically. No, no, it's like intermittent bleeping. Oh my god! So I'm like, how did that pass in a used difficult movie? God. How did, how did that end up in a kids' movie in general? Was that sorry? Was it a sequel? You said that the, was no, that, the first Top Cat movie because that that's the one that I saw in cinemas. The second one wasn't released in cinemas. It was released, but very briefly, and I saw that on sort of Amazon or whatever. It's in your collection, isn't it? No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Try its own special shelf, a little spotlight. Hi guys, look, well, it's special from Poundland. I've got it. I've got yeah, it. Right. <laughs> the number one pick. The number one pick is Godzilla from 1998. Uh, that summer was a miserable summer. I remember it being very rainy and grey throughout the entire like summer season uh, which is very, quite very odd you know one of those you know one of those years where things were just like global warming or something I don't know so Godzilla massive movie hyped like yeah, you know like throughout, throughout what six months you know they'd shot specific trailers as well with the foot coming through the museum yeah, like, oh, this is going to be amazing it's like, it's like Jurassic it's, Park yeah it's bigger yeah. than Jurassic Park because yeah. the big selling point wasn't yeah, it yeah yeah and like Godzilla Raw you'd actually see Godzilla at all you'd see his foot you know just like, was that Godzilla's foot it doesn't really look like a foot it's like a giant raptor but never mind um, <laughs> so we all went to see it like uh, when now I think it was like when I was 15 went doing the, doing the day and the weather was miserable and you go sit there for a film where the whole film it's raining for the entire film. First thing is like 
the plot was rubbish. The effects were pretty good, actually. I, I don't mind, didn't mind the effects. But it was so, so dark and damp. Matthew yeah. Broderick trying to be funny. He's not an action man lead person. I don't know why they cast him. Uh, Roland Emmerich, you know, sort of this is the first sort of dud I think they'd made where people just went, this film is shit. Uh, Independence Day is kind of like, it's a, it's a, generally a good film. I mean, it's a lot of guilty pleasure. But the format was beginning to repeat itself where yeah. they had these characters that were all the same. They just swapped their sort of names mm. around. That's a new film. I like Jean Reno in it. Uh, Jean Reno is the only interesting character in the movie and he's sort of not really in it until halfway through. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Instead and of Matthew Broderick, who's like, oh, I'm, I'm Matthew Broderick. Yeah, that's a lot of <laughs> The whole joke, no, that's a lot yeah. of fish. The topless. Yeah, yeah, oh god. And then, because it was a Godzilla, it didn't look nothing like Godzilla, you know. Uh, sort of the early sort of designs of it look actually quite in keeping with the classic one. I think Stan Winston had done some designs, whatever. But yeah, it was such a weird experience. And then you see this whole film where it's all dark and raining, and you walk out during the summer and it's pissing it down all you know all yeah. day just like doesn't help with the experience that no. awful film you had awful weather you had outside it was shit yeah so that was kind of a rubbish film of 98 and it was I think also, as I mentioned earlier with discussion to Spawn there were so many summer movies coming out like for 97, 98 they were all mostly shit they were yeah. all duds so much hype and they never delivered mm. and um, it's also, I, think, I think most of the, the quirky movies that came out that are cut, everyone kind of missed that were actually good I, I will tell you uh, this is a slightly embarrassing story so I saw Godzilla in cinemas and I was uh, must have been seven, seven yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was seven when it came out uh, I cried at the end of it because <laughs> <laughs> I felt really sorry for Godzilla because he gets a horrible death scene at the end of it. He gets tangled up in the in the bridge and they oh, fire yeah, upon him yeah. with the, with the missiles. And I found myself sympathising more with the, <laughs> more with the lizard monster Isn't tearing the whole, through the city. The third act just becomes a rip-off of Jurassic Park. In Madison Square Garden, yeah, yeah with the dinosaurs. Godzilla babies. It's like basically, they're basically raptors, weren't they? Reproduces asexually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was I've, such a cock up, I think. I've never them. seen it, and I'm so glad. You've got to see it. So just, no, just no, no. For the, da, 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 the new one's coming out, isn't it? So, oh, well, yes. That one looks good. That yeah, one is. I mean, the last one, the last Godzilla movie, you know. That had the opposite problem of too many human characters. Rubbish human characters, apart from Brian Cranston, but yeah. everything else about it, like the, you know, the photography, the, the effects, yeah. and the tone was brilliant but everything it was such a bit of a letdown where Godzilla was like attacking but oh it's on TV yeah, it's not actually doing that so they, yeah. all the fight's about to start yeah. anyway move the camera away <laughs> yeah there's literally, they literally cut away in the middle of action sequences yeah. Like, yeah. What? Like, what are you doing yeah. but yeah the sequel looks wonderful your number one my number one will be Unsane oh um, recent is, horror thriller Unsane in the membrane Unsane in the brain. This is um, um, the Steven Soderbergh movie. It was the yes, again off his face on cold medicine. Um, so it's all filmed on iPhones, which works surprisingly well. Yes, it's, quite it's, it's actually in four yeah. three format. Yeah, yeah. I think some of my friends saw this recently. So they yeah. didn't. They didn't quite mind it. I, I kill them. It's, 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 the, it's the kindest thing for all considered. Um, no, Big strong. Yeah, <laughs> This is the <laughs> film I get angry yeah. just thinking about. So it's like... Is this theatrical Oh, yeah. 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 So went to see I, I saw this at an unlimited screen. I didn't think it was as bad, but it is a very much a case of it falls apart very quickly. And, my God, does it fall apart. So it starts off as quite a sort of an interesting thriller. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then suddenly goes, oh, do you know what, fuck this. Actually, like, the antagonist has super strength and he can yeah. fucking fly so, or so something. So the premise is that Claire, Claire Foy plays a woman who had a stalker play 
played by Joshua Lennon of the Blair Witch Project. Mm. And she thinks that he may be following her again. And so I think she goes to a psychiatric institution and she ends up being institutionalized against her will. And so you think the movie's going to be the sort of psychological horror, yeah. especially because one of the orderlies mm. is her stalker and she's convinced that it is. And then it turns out it's not actually psychological. It is him. Yeah. And there's some ridiculous stuff where it's like, he's killed an orderly and no one's realised yeah, that he's swapped yeah. around. Oh, it's it, absolutely ridiculous. It's the worst run psychiatric institute in history and I don't wow. think it's meant to be an intentional commentary. He's just running around the place. How can I describe how angry this makes This is the sort of theory of it. It's kind of... Um dangerously stupid yeah. because it portrays a, a psychiatric institution a modern psychiatric institution as like something out of the 1950s with sort of early 70s treatment methods from sociopaths people yeah. are scared of psychiatric institutions anyway people do yeah. not want to go in them even if they need to and so making a fucking film on wide release where it's like oh psychiatric institute oh they're run by maniacs and they'll cut your legs off and then they swap each other's heads around and like fuck what no <laughs> Not Someone gets dragged off and killed, and they don't find his body <laughs> until several days later. later. Yeah, nobody notices. Yeah, Claire, what? Claire yeah. Foy gets locked in like a padded cell for days on end, and no one like yeah. knows or even checks. <laughs> it's so irresponsible in its portrayal of the mental health service. It's did you see despicable. this on the strength of Steven Soderbergh? As a director, um, no, it's purely one of those things. Oh, this looks like a quite interesting thriller, right. this kind of stuff. You know, or is it real? Is it the not? Tra- the trailer's been halfway lie. through. It's all real. The trailer's, well, the trailer's yeah. a big fib. The, yeah. trailer's, the trailer's a lie. The trailer makes it look like a psychological horror when actually yeah. it's more of a. It actually emerges more of like a slasher flick than anything. Yeah, mm. and it's it's I'm awful. Irresponsibly, dangerously awful. Everyone involved should have their knees broken. <laughs> <laughs> And my number one pick... Yes, Matthew, what is it? Keith Lemon, the film. Oh, God. That is also on my list, but as, uh, yeah, I didn't mention because I knew... That's an easy yeah. pick, that is. Yeah, but... <laughs> it's Whoa, an easy so one, but it doesn't make true. it any less no. true. <laughs> no. It's true, yeah. yeah. So this was the part of the post-Inbetweeners movie success where everyone and their mother was getting TV to film adaptations. Yeah. The Harry Hill movie was pretty bad, but not on the same level as Keith Lemon, because Keith Lemon, the film, is actively scuzzy and unpleasant. Mm. I have never seen so many walkouts in my life wow. as I went to see Keith really? Lemon. There were no People walkouts walk- when I went in, but we were the only people in there. Oh, I saw it on opening weekend. People walked out at roughly around the 20 minute Whoa. mark. Is that bad into it? Though? Yeah. Oh, God. So I think the the scene that tipped most people over the edge is... Um, so the story of the film, in case you're not familiar, so Keith Lemon is a character created by Lee Francis and he fronts a game show called Celebrity Juice and numerous other ITV projects. Mm, and yeah. uh, all of the people that he's friends with pop up in the film, but he plays an inventor. He creates the Lemon Phone, mm. which is like a modern smartphone, but it has a lemon on the back of it. Uh, I guess yeah. that's the joke. Um, that's so, the joke. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's an inventor, but he, he, he hasn't invented it yet. And he goes to London Bridge, I think, and he starts fantasizing about his girlfriend and just starts wanking himself off on what? the bridge. Oh, like it, go, it goes yeah. on for seemingly ages. And then afterwards, <laughs> he goes into an underpass and he gets beaten up by some people. And then it, 
he gets knocked out, but then you get no relief from Keith Lemon because it's a dream sequence for Keith Lemon. Oh, oh dancing! Oh, no. and then Lee Francis plays another character called Evil Steve, so yeah. he's got a dual role in the movie. The late great Vern Troyer pops up. Uh, playing the Kelly, sort of guardian angel. Kelly Brook, isn't it? Kelly, Kelly Brook, uh, Brook Kelly appears Brook, in yeah. it, yeah. And is dreadful. Yeah. Really bad. Oh, yeah. There's a really horrible scene in that movie. There are numerous horrible scenes in that movie. There's a, there's a scene in it where Keith Lemon just basically describes the plot of First Blood. Like, just three minutes of him just going through the plot of First Blood. And the joke is that he's doing a slow impression of... For about three minutes? Yeah. Which is soon swiftly followed up by the worst scene in the movie where he gets so aroused by Kelly Brook that he has a huge orgasm all over himself. You know, like they apparently just spent loads on Muller yogurts and just... (laughs) 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 I mean, it's it's funny because I've never found the character of Keith Lemon. I I I quite like Bo Selector. I thought it was quite funny. I thought it was really good. They got like, the with... Bo Selector characters in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. The first thing that happens in the film... I've only seen little bits of this the in the Dream... Keith Lemon movie. Is that on ITV4? The Blu-ray was in Poundland. Yeah. The first thing that happens... It's in the, Literally, the Pound first thing in the movie is <laughs> sex noises. And it's like a dream sequence fantasy where he's having sex with someone. And then Craig David, you know, his impression of Craig <laughs> yeah. David turns yeah. up in it. And you go... Wow, that was relevant in 2003. <laughs> oh, and then his impression of Mel B turns up because some of the Spice Girls have cameos. Oh, Mel B. B. Yeah. Yeah. That's so the best he... both selected character. <laughs> yeah, so that turns up in it as well. And I go, wow, this is really scraping the barrel early. And just, oh, it's so embarrassing. I get... There's one thing I liked about the film, and that's that none of the other characters seem to actually like Keith Lemon, and that I quite how, enjoyed. How do you even define <laughs> Keith Lemon as a character? I ever since that film, I found myself scratching my head. He's a knob gag. Like, <laughs> like, what is the character of Keith Lemon? How would? You... Yeah, I, I, that's why I sort of gravitated towards that thing. Celebrity I, I, obsessed. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That yeah. was that was the character in both selector. He was obsessed with celebrities, and I kind of made this. Yeah. I think, and then I think it. he's kind of lost the point. And that, yeah, then he made that awful Back to the Future retrospective documentary where they kept hyping up they were interviewing Michael J. Fox, and they didn't have Michael J. Yeah. Fox. Yeah, what? I don't know why he stuck with that character because I it was I I made the most money I suppose. Yeah, in Keith Lemon the film, there are three times I smiled. This is over ninety minutes in a comedy film, right? But I'm going to tell you the joke so you at home don't go and watch it. One, there is a bus that says it's going to Leeds, but they've written it as to Leeds. Yes, T apostrophe L Leeds. That was the one. That was the one time I smirked in the movie. One point, Vern Troyer does a really good double take quickly. That was quite smiley. Yeah, that, that's how low the sort of threshold was. Was there any fart gags in it? Probably. Probably. Can't yeah. remember. I'll get smoke from it. Yeah. And Evil Steve has his own deliberately shit theme tune where somebody sings Evil Steve, yeah, Evil, Evil Steve. Steve. When he's on thinking that was vaguely amusing. That's okay. it. That's it. That's it for 90 minutes. You have literally made a better movie for probably less, <laughs> <laughs> less money than Just made Evil Steve. I'll be honest, movie. it wasn't hard. Yes. Yeah. Oh dear. There you go. So that is our picks. I hope you've enjoyed it. And where can people find you folks? Just Google Ashens. One word. Like Madonna. Ah. Matthew's been on my channel before. His followers know who I am. Just putting Oliver Harper into YouTube. They know who Ashens is. <laughs> Ashen. Well, until next time, fading out.
Thank you for listening to the Film Brain Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder that if you want to support my work, be it podcasts or YouTube videos, please go to my Patreon at patreon.com slash filmbrain where you can experience those episodes early, among other perks. And just a quick shout out to my Patreons, Tim Poppleton, SoFox, Inigo Almandos, Tim Tark, G Viral, Robert Murray, Henry Jacob, Manuel Jonan, Marley Berrickmans, Joshua Bowden. And remember, if you have any feedback about the show over social media, please use the hashtag. Hashtag Film Brain Podcast.